0: Welcome to Fresh Press for the twelfth of November, two thousand nineteen. My name is Gabe. And My name is Andrew. This is a show about music
1: where we talk about new tunes that came out in the last seven days and old grooves, or really any age of groove that fit a weekly theme.
0: Yeah, we're non-discriminatory on the groove front, but we do require the tunes to be new.
1: Yes. Well, the grooves we have they have to be on the
0: theme. Right. But we're not ageist. Uh, speaking of the theme. Let's jump right into that. So, I live in California, along with uh, about 40 million other people who have also found it a rather pleasant place to settle down. You know, the weather is generally moderate and lovely all along the coasts. Highs are in the mid-70s this week. It's the middle of November, and it's just beautiful. There are no blizzards, no hurricanes, no heavy rain, no tornadoes. We have these earthquakes, but actually, they're generally pretty minor, and... The New Yorker article about the, the big one is actually about the earthquakes in the Pacific Northwest, not even in California. Hmm. So, on the whole, nature is pretty good out here. But for about two months or so every year, there are these fires that run the length of the state that torch uh, hundreds of thousands of acres of just tinderbox land. The last three years, we've had the Kincaid Fire, the Camp Fire. So, while the flames... well. A century of gross mismanagement of forests, markedly increased human activity, and neglect of the statewide power utility, and just this general global warming thing.
1: I'm sorry, what? This what? I'm not familiar.
0: Yeah, the global the global warming thing. Sorry to all the people who aren't quite on board yet, but you should check out Greta Thunberg. She knows what's up. I've never personally been in fire danger, but... For the third year now, smoke has drifted down over the bay and into the valleys and irritated lungs and eyes and generally made the area into a miserable dystopia. Brag. Fire creates like hellish landscapes almost by definition. And so global warming has arrived in California and California is burning down. Brag. So it's depressing but also evocative. So I guess it's no surprise that there's a decent amount of music about it. So, Andrew, Uh on that positive note, what song did you bring for me this week? Well, Gabe, as the prophecy
1: foretold, and by the prophecy, I mean myself in episode one. Ah. I heard the theme this week, and I have immediately selected a song by none other than Death Cab for Cutie.
0: Which is your favorite band.
1: Yeah, I would probably say that.
0: You're just like a Ben Gibbard guy in general.
1: Yeah. I'm a Gibardian. Gibbar- that doesn't work. Anyway, um, the song that I've chosen is entitled Grapevine Fires.
2: When the wind picked up, the fire spread. And the grapevine scene left for dead. And the northern sky looked like the end of day.
1: Um... I remember first hearing this song in, I want to say, eighth grade. When did that album come out? 2008? That would make sense.
0: I think it was 2009, actually, but uh, that still checks out. maybe it was
1: late eighth grade. Yeah. Um, And I had not heard of Death Cab for Cutie until that point. And this is from the album Narrow Stairs, which is, I would say, a seminal album of theirs. But yeah, this is a song about, I mean, it's about fires in presumably California. Again, I know you're not a lyrics person, but I do always love Ben Gibbard's lyrics, and I think well, maybe the like entire message, if you really go into it, the song is sort of like played it's like you know things are bad, but also some things will be better, and children are our future it's that, but it doesn't say that so clearly like it's it's very well written and in a personal way, so that it doesn't feel lame when you're listening to it.
0: I think that's a general death cab for Cutie Hallmark, yeah the ability to properly express these kind of ideas without sounding overly lame.
1: I really love, he has some um some line endings that, like, only sort of rhyme, but they sound great. Like, he rhymes shifts with lips, which is, like, doesn't really rhyme, but just works so well.
0: That's the slantiest of rhymes, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just really nice the way that he makes it sound so natural, the way he sings through these lines, that he's not, like, changing the words that a normal person would say so that he can rhyme. He's just saying words that some of them rhyme perfectly, some of them rhyme only kind of, but all of it just sounds very natural. Um, And I really love the instrumentation in this song, too. Um, It's very, it's additive. So it starts with just the drums, and then... The keys come in and the vocals come in and there's a little guitar and a little bass and then there's some like organ in the background later in the song there's some harmonies it builds really nicely and then ends very simply again um, which is just a a kind of composition that i really love the drums also I think are worth mentioning because this drum beat is great. I saw the, I followed Death Cab on Twitter, obviously. Natural. Um, and I tweeted a few weeks ago, like, Hey, if Jason, Jason McGurr is the drummer. It's like, if Jason was going to like talk about some of, you know, his inspirations and stuff, what songs would you guys want to hear about in terms of like how he like wrote the, the drum part, um, And his thoughts about it. And like every single response was grapevine fires. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I hope he does that. I haven't seen a follow-up to that, um, but I hope he does talk about that.
0: Yeah. I don't think we get enough of drummers talking about their drum lines, especially when they're good. They're generally neglected uh, musical animal.
1: And on a personal note, when I was in probably eighth or ninth grade and very into death, Cap for cutie. Um, I was talking to a friend who listened to cooler music than I did, like listened to like punk and stuff that I was not hardcore enough to listen to. Um, and he asked me like what I was into. And so I like sheepishly said like, I like to have for cutie. And he was like, oh yeah, like I love, they have a great drummer. Like he's so good. And I was like, oh, I'm cool.
0: And now 10 years later, are you sticking by that assessment of yourself?
1: Uh, that I was cool in middle and high school No, absolutely not <laughs> But that Death Cab for Cutie is
0: a good band Yes I think on the whole I can agree with you there as well Okay, thank
2: you The firemen worked in double shifts With prayers for rain on their lips and They knew it was only a matter of time
1: Um, So what song did you bring this week, Gabe, to talk about the fires and the horrible place that you live in and how you should move back to the East Coast?
0: Yeah. So I brought something maybe a little more upbeat in tone, but also not very upbeat in message. Um, I brought ABC123, which is from Toon Yards, um, and it's from their fourth LP um, called I Can Feel You Creep Into My Private Life, which came out Gross. Um, just about two years ago <laughs> in early 2018. So the song begins with this uh, vocal monologue from Meryl Garbus, the but lead singer of Two Yards.
2: To everything, yeah. then the fire or face the crowd. California's burning. Silently suggesting the investment in a generator
1: What a great name, Meryl Garbus
0: oh, So good, such now, a good name I feel like
1: we should establish a hierarchy on this podcast Does that go above or below
0: Pictish Trail? Merrill Garbus, I like it more than Pictish Trail
1: I agree, because Pictish Trail is like a phrase, right? It's a trail that is of the Picts But Meryl Garbus is just like, that's just a name, and it's so good.
0: I just enjoy knowing that there's a human walking around the world producing great music by the name of Meryl Garbus. It just makes sense to me. It's beautiful. Anyway, so those opening lines there, fan the fire, face the crowd, California's burning down, sitting in the middle of the sixth extinction, silently suggesting the investment in a generator. I think those are awesome lyrics they're like a little bit cheeky but also pretty dark because there's this admission of oh god everything is dying and burning down and um so yeah i think it fits with the theme pretty well i just i love the phrase silently
1: suggesting the investment in a generator because it feels like it's a theater like diction (laughs) warm-up
0: unique new york unique new york right but it also has
1: meaning which a lot of diction warm-ups do not have
0: yeah, so Toon Um they've become pretty well-known over the last eight years, actually. Um, they released Who Kill in 2011, and they have these, like, two hallmarks of uh, this really cool, interesting, dominant, percussive presence, which is very much true on this song, and then Meryl Garbus of the great name. Um, her rather unique, I guess is how I'd put them, vocals. Um so yeah abc123 has both of those um and on top of that the lyrics are just marvelous all about global warming and then identity politics and she pulls the nsa into it um and then on top of all of that this particular song has a really great weird music video with her and um, her partner in the project nate brennan (laughs) So I was looking into this song and where it came from because it doesn't necessarily immediately obvious to me why we're talking about global warming and the end of the world, maybe. And then also ABC 123 Elemento, um, which is a lyric in the song.
1: Whoa. This entire time I thought it was elemental, but that does make sense that it would just be Elemento.
0: Yeah, like the letters that... Uh, little kids run together and think are a single letter. Yeah, exactly.
1: Never encountered that as a child. <laughs> never like heard that. Never thought that. Didn't know anyone who thought that.
0: Oh, I definitely thought that at one point. Okay, well, but I was a little slow. So they're talking. Uh, she had this interview with NPR talking about working on the chorus, and there's like this quarter note melody, and then just like fitting the words on top of it. Uh, And then kind of building the rest of the song around this and the idea that we need this new uh, language to describe the trauma that is occurring in our world. Um, And using that language, being able to face kind of the realities of climate change and, you know, mass extinctions, uh, as she suggests.
1: now let's move on to new tunes we are bringing all songs that have been released in the last seven days as of recording which is on november 10th so gabe what is what new song have
0: you brought to the table
1: what new completely unheard original song have you written for this podcast that you will perform now
0: well i wish i was talented enough to write a song for this podcast but That's beyond my artistic abilities. Instead, I found an excellent song by an artist named Fern Mayo. Like the plant and the condiment.
1: I have a question for you before you start. Yeah. Why do you keep picking these bands with weird names?
0: Well, I'm going to get into the weird name of Fern Mayo, actually. So thank you for asking. It'll be a great segue. Hold that thought. This is Sippy Cup from their new album, Week of Charm. Okay, so Fern Mayo is primarily composed of Katie Capri and Michael J. Thomas III. Ooh. Um, Capri, in particular, seems to be the driving musical force on the record. She's singing, she's playing guitar, and then Thomas is providing most of the drum, synth, and assorted production work. Um, they're based out of Brooklyn, and Week of Charm is their second release of note. They had an earlier EP, uh, LP, excuse me, um, And as you can tell, they play sort of this brand of dissonant, tinged, shoegazy, I think is the word, indie rock. Um, It broadly reminds me of like um, Speedy Ortiz. Have you listened to them? They've got a lot of dissonance in their music or even some of the like louder, dream poppier stuff from Beach House.
1: God, you keep using all these genre words. So bold.
0: Well, Beach House is the name of a band, not a genre. Although I do see how I meant dream pop and
1: shoegaze. I know that Beach House is a band. eh? Oh, oh, I majored in music. (laughs) Beach House was a whole class I took. (laughs) Just kidding. I've never listened to Beach House or Speedy Ortiz.
0: (laughs) Okay, well they're excellent, and you should listen to them. Um, But I wanted—I do want to talk about the name Fern Mayo because I didn't know this before. But Fern Mayo is a character from this 1999 film called Jawbreaker, which I had also never heard of. Um, okay. So it's this black comedy with uh, four women who make up this clique, and one of the women is killed off kind of, and that's the premise of the movie. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's like in the vein of like Heathers maybe or Mean Girls. Say. Yeah. So Fern Mayo is the nerdy shy girl who this click then transforms into a beautiful exchange student in the vein of yes, all these movies. Yeah. Um, so I watched some clips of it and it's super weird and trippy and it's also rated R, which I think is very strange for a teen comedy that was then produced commercially and totally failed commercially and critically, although apparently it developed some sort of cult classic reputation. Um, so, I really like um, kind of the slow groove of this song uh, and also Capri's vocals. Um, She kind of like slides around things um, and they're a little bit bendy and weird and dissonant again. But I think in a good way.
1: we've been very lyrics heavy on this episode and I I would like to continue that in like the first couple verses. She obviously uses the word sippy cup, which is a great, I just love odd words that are used in a like very casual way, like sippy cup. And then she also later says buttercream frosting.
0: Yeah. Which is uh, just insane. It's great. So the, the opening lines, if you can't make them out are burning, spit it up, the hellfire in your stomach, get it out and into a sippy cup. Which is amazing. <laughs> like, that is awesome. And then The next series of lines in the verse, she uses, yeah, the words buttercream frosted. Uh, just like, so unusual. And they have this great series of consonants inside the words, like sippy cup and buttercream. Uh, mm. They're just like, they make me feel things, you know? Yeah. The thing i want to note is the first two songs off the record are, um were released as singles before the album and are thus ineligible for our criteria um but mm-hmm. they're called echo and moonlight and they're really good and they have this complimentary vocal riff um that is shared between them even though the songs are otherwise pretty different in meter and, and uh and harmony but they have the same vocal riff which is i think pretty cool that is really cool how about you andrew What did you bring for this week's new tune? Um,
1: I deliberated a lot this week. Um, I listened to a lot of different stuff, but I just kept coming back to this one album that I thought was amazing. Um, It's uh, by a band called The Good Ones, which, great name for a band. And apparently the... (laughs) Apparently, the history of the name is that the leader, when he wanted to make a band, he went looking for The Good Ones, and he found them, and he made a band.
0: That seems like a pretty simple effort to me. It's better yeah. than like putting up a post on Craigslist for a drummer.
1: Yeah. Um, well, that would have been difficult for him as for reasons we will learn later. Um, but so The Good Ones are from Rwanda. And this uh, new album that they just, they just released is called uh, Rwanda, You Should Be Loved. And this song is called Will You Be My Protector?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They are a folk trio. Um, their music is really, it seems so like essentially folk music to me. Like obviously it's, it's not a language that I understand. It's in the traditional language of Rwanda, which I'm going to butcher this, but I believe is pronounced Ikinyarwanda. So I don't understand any of the lyrics. And some of the like musical styles are a little, you know, different than what I'm familiar with, although it is a lot of guitar. So that's obviously in the, Tuning wise, it's pretty similar, but it just feels so personal. Even though I don't understand any of the words, um, and just the way that the songs flow, is is folk music to me. Like it just feels honest and essential, um, and beautiful.
0: Yeah, I have a couple notes to add. Um, speaking of the guitar, I think something interesting is it's a very almost classically Western folk guitar sounds with this picking, um, and inside the kind of the Western canon of chordal structures, right? But yeah. the vocal lines are more unusual um, and not something that you would normally hear um, in like American folk music, for instance, and, and there's like these beautiful harmonies all through the song. And then again, like you were talking about it, it having this essential feel, um it's really very distinctly raw and unpolished and the record almost feels alive. And, um, I know well, they worked with a producer and it was recorded sort of that way. Right. But yeah, um, I think it's just so excellently done and it feels so intimate.
1: Yeah. So they, um, they recorded it without doing any like overdubbing stuff because where they live, they don't have electricity. Like they don't have electricity in their homes. So they have been doing this for a while and they have a, a producer who I guess comes to Rwanda and, and helps them record, but they've just recorded live in you know, in one of their houses and sing it and what happens happens. And I think you're right that that does contribute to that feeling of honesty that goes along with the... The sense of it of it being true folk music you mentioned the guitar um which I also want to mention um, because there's a quality to the way that the um the lead singer and And sort of band leader, Uh, whose name is Adrian Kasagira. The way that he plays the guitar, like you said, is, you know, the chords are very familiar. And he sort of does a lot of arpeggiating and things that you'll hear in this song. But another quality to it is it's very, uh, he picks it very hard. And so there's a lot of twang and rattle and buzz, um, which is a sort of trademark of all kinds of African music, like from all over the continent, um, that the sounds that to us Westerners might seem like excess, like not part of the actual song, um, are an important part of the sound. Um, there's some religious aspects to that that I won't get into cause I don't know enough about, but like if you've ever seen, um, someone playing the mbira, which is that little thumb piano thing. Um, originally an African instrument got sort of spread throughout the world by an ethnomusicologist who made like his own, like, you know, standard tuning version of it. But the traditional African Mbira um, usually has a bunch of, uh, normally what it is, is a bunch of bottle caps uh, like nailed on there, not entirely tightly so that every time you play it, it really rattles. Hmm. Um, And they have, you know, wire and stuff woven through the, through the keys So that rattles as well, Um, and that's just a—it's just a quality of sound that um, is is sought after in a lot of different African music.
0: Yeah. So this is a very intentional effect, even though to maybe our ears it can sound like unintentional, right? Uh, This is right.
1: Yeah. It might like if you were just listening to this and you didn't know anything about that, you might be like, "Oh, this guy's sort of a clumsy, like heavy-handed guitar player," but it's a very intentional thing that he's going after, that I think he executes really well.
0: So something else I was looking into when you mentioned that you are going to bring a song from The Good Ones is their history as a trio. Um, they each come from a different tribe within Rwanda. Um, And there was this really awful genocide in Rwanda in 1994, um, primarily between two of those tribes, the Hutu and the Tutsi, and something like a million plus people were killed, and it was very bloody and violent, Um, and a lot of it was like hand, uh, like done by hand, Um, but The band is supposed to represent sort of the bringing together of these three tribes and this coming together and finding peace and um, making something beautiful out of it. And I think that's a really moving story and a really moving idea that out of this really horrible tragedy, there's beautiful art being put into the world by people coming back together.
1: so for this record uh, their label which is anti which is you know a legit indie label put out just a little 3 minute mini documentary um filming primarily Adrian but also um the other members of the band in their homes and um there's a little voiceover and there's some performance and so you can actually hear this song in the middle of the of it with um Adrian singing and playing guitar and I assume his family I know at least the girl to his right is his daughter because a lot of this album is about his his daughter who has um who has a has this like life-threatening tumor in her eye um and so a lot of the text of the album which again i don't understand um but you can get it from the song titles which are in english um are about her and sort of her dealing with that and him dealing with that as her father um so there's a really beautiful rendition of him and his family just sort of singing this song and it makes perfect sense it goes along with this natural like you just sort of sing the harmonies that feel good at that moment and everyone knows the words and you're singing it together <laughs>
0: great so of course there was a bunch of good music released this week um external to what we've shown you um a pretty major album from FK Twigs dropped called Magdalene which has been pretty critically acclaimed um it's very good super recommends um Rosalía released a new single called Apale um if you're not familiar with her she is like an indie rock pop singer who is super flamenco influenced um and does weird music videos and it started to get kind of big um just like in the spanish pop world um yeah lots of good music this week and i know andrew that you went and saw a couple people live this week
1: i did yeah i got to go to two different concerts this week which was lovely um on thursday i saw julia jacklin with christian lee hudson both of whom i was very excited to go see
0: so i'm not familiar with either of these artists Oh, really? Oh, really?
1: Um, Well, Christian Lee Hudson is... He's a really excellent musician, and he definitely has a lot of music, but not a lot of it is released, I think. Or, you know, I've only heard, like, five songs of his, but he played, like, a full opening set, and he's a lot of great stuff. Um, He also does a good impression of Drunk God, uh, which he did for us at the concert, which was lovely. But, yeah, his songs are, are really poignant and sad, um, and they're sort of complemented by his excellent guitar playing. I think he must have uh, originally trained on classical guitar because he's really like complex uh, guitar parts that go with his very straightforward and very sad uh, vocals. And then uh, Julie Jacqueline was the headliner. And if you don't know her, she's uh, an Australian. I hope she's not. From New Zealand or something, because that would she would probably be offended, but she's definitely from Oceania. She's a singer songwriter, rock musician, guitarist, and she just absolutely kicks ass. Her lyrics are great. Her recent album, Crushing, is just really powerful and a beautiful and complex analysis of a breakup. Um sort of like the falling apart of a long-term relationship. And it ends with this song, Comfort, um, where the refrain is, um, you can't be the one to hold him when you were the one who left. Just sort of talking about how, you know, you a, a relationship falls apart and you still have this feelings for someone and you want to take care of them. You still care about them. But if you're the one who decided to end the relationship, you can't just go back there and, and be there for them you just sort of have to be a part and julia decided to open the concert with that song which was wild she came up by herself and played it like a slower version she slowed it down and and just took us through it and people were weeping at the end of the first song and then the rest of the band came out and it was a lot of fun
0: that's such a powerful early moment A, a lot of bands save that kind of thing for the end but i think it's pretty cool to open with that
1: yeah, that was a wild choice that was amazing. Um, and then on Saturday, I went to uh see Big Thief with Palehound. If you don't know Big Thief, what are you doing?
0: You should know them. They're they're awesome. They are awesome.
1: Um but let me talk about Pale Hound first, because I have heard about Pale Hound for a while. I don't know, I feel like they're an indie band that people know, but I i never listened to them. And let me tell you, they fucking rip. They're great. They're great. They're awesome. Their bassist is a badass. They're obviously, their lead singer and, and guitarist is a badass. They were just awesome.
0: And they've got a great name.
1: Yeah, Palehound? Oh. Great. So good. So good. Um, and then Big Thief came on. Um, they had a lot of technical problems, which sort of put a damper on the concert, I think for them more than for anyone in the audience. Um, but the lead singer and guitarist Adrian Linker, like her amp was messing up. There were a lot of just technical issues that were sort of throwing her off her game. Um, so it was a weird, like, I think everyone like felt bad for her. Cause she was clearly like kind of stressed out and, and really thrown off by that. But also all of the music that they did was so incredible that, you know, the only sad thing was that they ended probably earlier than they otherwise would have because they weren't, you know, totally in the, in the, in the game
0: yeah i mean they're on an absolute string of albums right now that are amazing they dropped two albums this year which are both so good
1: and very different
0: yes very different um and then the record from two years ago or so was also yeah um yeah they're just on a, on a roll right
1: now yeah and um adrian lanker she has all her all kinds of solo stuff and the uh, other main driving force of the band, Buck Meek, has a bunch of his solo stuff, some of which he played while they were trying to fix Adrian's amp. Um, he was just like, well, I'm going to play some of my songs, uh, which were great. And, um, and they also played a bunch of new songs. So they, I think they just churn out music all the time. Had a great track um, upcoming that from the internet I've learned is entitled
0: Spud Infinity. Uh, Well, hopefully there's a new album coming soon. Uh, More Big Thief music is always good.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, that's our episode for today. Thanks for giving us a listen. This has been Fresh Pressed. I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. You can
1: follow us on Twitter at FreshPressedPod. And if you want to send us new music to listen to, we welcome that too. You can send it to FreshPressedPodcast at gmail.com and we'll give it a listen.
0: And you can also tweet at us.
1: And you can also tweet at us, yes.
0: Our next episode will be coming out next Tuesday, November 19th, and we'll catch
2: you then. Thanks. Bye.